the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you are alive to God, as Paul says Christians are in Romans 6, that means you're dead to sin. So what does that look like, practically speaking? Let's explore that answer next on Abounding Grace. Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Greetings in Christ and welcome. This is Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner, our teacher and pastor, is continuing his journey through Romans. And we're spending a considerable amount of time here in chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, because of its rich content. Today, we're focusing in on what it means to be dead to sin, especially if we're alive to God. Here's Pastor Gary and today's program. Considering yourself dead to sin. Our death to sin and the death of Christ. Our resurrection to newness of life because of his resurrection are two of the most wonderful things we will ever hear. God has come down to us in his mercy and he has lifted us out of the miry pit of our own sin. Like Hosea's wayward wife, God has come and he has wooed us to himself and said, you are never going to wander again because I have purged away all of your sins. These words that you are dead to sin in the death of Christ, that you are alive to God through Jesus Christ, give us hope and give us a joy even in the midst of our struggles with sin. Because they tell us that even while we wrestle with it, the dominion of sin has been broken in Jesus Christ. And these words tell us, don't fear death. Don't worry about it. In fact, don't even think about it with negative thoughts as we shall see today. Because the wages of sin, which is death, has been paid in full. And just like death has no dominion over Jesus, it has no dominion over us, beloved. So in these lines of scripture, God says, I want you to think this about yourself as my children. I don't want you to be consumed with guilt any longer. I don't want you to define yourself by your sins, by your weaknesses. I want you to be utterly captivated by what my son has done for you. Turn away from your self-consuming thoughts. and Look unswervingly. Look believingly at the finished work of my son. So however weak we are today, however much we are still struggling, Christ Jesus is Lord and he has died to sin and he has broken its power and he has delivered us from the curse of sin and death. So as our text says, let us consider him and consider him carefully. 
before we can make any progress in holiness, we must know who he is, what he has done, who we are in him, and we must look to him. This is true faith, my friends. True faith does not have an idea about God and Jesus flitting about in your, their brain somewhere. It's not to have hazy views of God and of self. True faith is not to hold on to a creed out of tradition. True faith is marked chiefly by this. The directness with which it looks at the crucified and resurrected Son of God. And looking at Him, it holds to Him. I may be leprous, but He is my cleansing. I may be weak, but He is strong. I may be still struggling, but He has conquered over all. So don't rest today with fuzzy, hazy, self-oriented views of the Christian life. Look fully into the wonderful face of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, verse 11, which we looked at at the end of the sermon last week. And Lord willing, we will probably have two more sermons on it. But don't forget something about this verse right off the top. It assumes that we are in a living, personal union and communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our head. We are his body. He is our husband, we are his wife. Now, sin and death used to reign in us, in Adam, but believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, it does not any longer. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And if you are a believer, God has ever and always seen you in your connection with his Son. And in the day when you heard the gospel and you believed in that gospel, that eternal election became a personal living reality in your life when you were joined to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you heard the gospel, and you clung to it, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, their effects, their significance, and their power were applied to you so that it can truly be said, as we have already seen in these lines, that you have died to sin and that you have been raised to newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the command here in verse 11, consider, reflect carefully upon, give careful attention to, tells us first that the more we think of our lives in terms of Jesus Christ, that we are not our own that we have been bought with a price, that he has done a mighty work of redemption to us. And the more we think in these terms, the more we will be on the proper footing to do what the following verses tell us about pursuing holiness and destroying and killing the remnants of sin that's in our lives. Too many of us, when we set out to deal with, well, I, I need to change this or... I need to do better here. Or whatever it may be, these things are often prompted by guilt and a lack of any concrete sense that all the strength we have comes from Christ. But we are united to him and his great work of redemption. And that is the heart 
of the gospel that Jesus' death to sin on the cross is our death to sin's curse and its dominion. That his resurrection to newness of life is my resurrection to newness of life. Oh, my friends, that is the heartbeat of the Christian faith. That's why it can never retain its power or its hold upon our affections. It must not be reduced to theological symbols or be made a tradition. It must be a living reality in every single generation. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not yet I, but Christ lives in me. Now, what it is we are what is it that we are supposed to consider? Let me just mention two things. Consider how the death of Christ changes your relationship to death, which is the wages of sin. And consider how the death of Christ changes your relationship to sin. And that's what I want you to think about with me for today. Look at verse 8 again. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. That verse says that by our Savior's once-for-all death on the cross, he is done with the realm of death. He gave himself to the power of sin and death for a while. He became sin for us. And just that completely, he paid the whole curse for all our sins. He paid all the wages that our corruption brought upon ourselves. And conquering that realm, it has no more power over him. And we are supposed to ponder, what does this mean for us? Verse 11. I'm supposed to consider my relationship to Jesus' death. Well, this simply means, now listen, we are done with the realm of death. We are done with it. Now, of course, the automatic rejoinder is, I just went to a funeral last week. So what do you mean I'm done with the realm of death? Turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. <clears throat> death just doesn't mean the same thing for the believer as it does for the unbeliever because of our connection to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Skip to chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. You see, those two verses, and we're going to look at another one in just a second, but those two verses teach us something very profound already. Something has changed in our relationship to death so that our thinking about death must also change. Yet the outward man perishes, 
But there's something about the believer that is more defining, more dominating, that grows stronger and stronger every day, it says here, the more we live and abide in Christ. And even more, we have a dwelling that is eternal in the heavens. And notice what Paul didn't say there. He didn't say, we're groaning to stay here because I don't want to miss my grandchild's wedding in the next couple of years. No, he says, we are groaning for the eternal dwelling, the resurrection body. But turn with me to an even more profound statement. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. We cannot dismiss this. I believe I'm weak and sinful, but this is one of the most amazing statements in the entire Bible. Now, I I know John 3.16 is amazing. But these are probably two fighting. These are two verses fighting as to which is the most incredible. But let's turn to John chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. <clears throat> John chapter 11, 23 through 26. Jesus saith unto her, Martha, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? It's amazing. Never die? Never? Again, this is an amazing statement from our Lord. By believing in Him, we receive the fruits, the reality, the power of His death applied to us so that we will never die. As believers, then, we will never taste, experience, feel that which makes death so horrible. And what is that? Everlasting death. Separation from the life-giving presence of God. Death is condemnation. Condemnation. Death is judgment. Death is agony and uncertainty leading to hell and misery under God's wrath forever. Oh, my friends, never will we experience this. You know, there, these are the only reasons that we have to fear death. But Jesus Christ has delivered us from all of these things by taking them upon himself. So much in principle and reality is death already defeated that the last generation of believers who are alive when Christ comes will not pass through physical death. Have you ever thought about that? Death is still in our personal experiences such a part that we think, wait a minute, death? It must be My last spanking from God. I've got to go through this. But there is a generation of believers who will not die. Think about what that means. God will have most of his people pass through the dissolution of the body. But it is no longer necessary for us to do so. Why? Because Jesus Christ has utterly and completely defeated death and swallowed it whole. 
by making satisfaction for our sins by his death on the cross. That's why the New Testament always speaks of the death of a believer as sleep. And not soul sleep, that silly old ancient air. It is that there is no more horror in our death. There's nothing to fear because that which made death horrible, he took all of those horrors upon himself. So now for the believer, death is no more to be feared than taking an afternoon nap. We have no right to fear death, no right at all. Why did the Lord Jesus Christ go through the horrors of hell and the agonies and the death throes of his death, but to deliver us once and for all from all of them? You know, even the decay of the body is not to be dreaded or the loss of one's rational faculties. Yes, Paul is going to say later in chapter 8, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit The principle of new life in us is life because of Christ's righteousness given to us. But sin has brought a comprehensive judgment over the body that will result in its physical deterioration and even bizarre mental and physical traits and some leading up to death. But that doesn't change our relationship to Jesus Christ. You you may have heard, you, you may fear for it yourself of those who profess to be believers as they perhaps begin to lose their faculties toward the end of life, saying horrible things, even blasphemous things, doing horrible deeds. And you think, boy, they must not have ever been a Christian because of the things coming out of their mouths now. Well, remember, beloved, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So as the body physically deteriorates and the circulatory system fails, even then we have victory over death and we're not to judge others by the relationship to anything else but the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did they believe in him? Then they are his. Did they say bizarre things? That is just the death throes of sin as it breathes its last breath. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. In the most important sense of the word death, even though the body decays and expires, what Jesus said to Martha is true. No believer dies, not in that damning judgment from the Garden of Eden. The day you eat of it, you will die. Because Jesus took the fruit of the curse. He took the sword of our justice and he totally paid the wages of sin. Don't think, well, my death is going to be the last spanking on the backside. No, it's not. Your death doesn't pay for anything. In fact, if Jesus were to come back this evening or next month, you won't ever die. As if to be a final testimony from Christ. He says, I already paid the wedges of sin, which is death. I have satisfied them completely. There's no spanking at the end of life. So with the apostle, we smile at death. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. We don't smile in a cavalier, arrogant way. And if this is one of us, we have misunderstood the point of these passages entirely. 
but we look at death as it is in Christ, a defeated foe. Now, granted, when Christ returns, that victory will be consummated and utterly defeated forever so that we are delivered even from its presence. But in its principle and its hold over our affections, in the way it makes us fearful, it is also broken because Jesus Christ has paid the wages of sin. This is important for you to understand. Philippians 1.20 According to my earnest expectations and in my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by my life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I know not. For I am in a a strait or I am torn between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. In a sanctified sense, We can prefer death, but not in an escapist sense. I just want to get out of here. I'm sick of everything that's going on around in the world or because of the troubles in my own life. But in a sanctified sense, to depart and be with Christ is far better. God calls most of us and will, unless he returns, he will call all of us to pass through these waters of death. But understand, these stormy seas of death have been calmed. That is what Paul is telling us to consider. Death may be unknown, but it is conquered. We may not have personally experienced it, but our Savior has. And he's already passed through that flood. He has already taken the sword. And he stands and will stand with you If you are his, when it comes time for you to die, and you will hear, if you believe his promise, that resurrection morning, be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. I've already defeated death in your life, so trust me. Hold my hand. I will walk you through this storm. He calls it gain. To die is gain, verse 21. This is impossible to believe as long as we think like spiritually dead men think, holding on to this world, having our affections tied here to this world so that we don't look to Jesus. And as long as we don't look, we are always going to fear death. It is going to gnaw at us. Or we may say, oh, I don't fear fear death, but I fear how I'm going to die. Well, why are you afraid how you are going to die? Do you not think Jesus knows the when, the why, and the how? And with respect to all of them, he says, I've prevailed. Look to me. Consider me. Look at my victory. So, yes, our filth is great. And there is a gnawing guilt at times, perhaps. But understand, our Savior has cleansed it all away. And he says, whoever believes in me will never die. We will never know the judgment and the wrath of God. 
Oh my God, we should be praising him for that every day. We will never be condemned. You do not need to fear death. He says, because I have borne all of those fears myself. Those fears are prompted by one thing. Sin, guilt, the knowledge that we stand under the wrath and the curse of God. But he says again, I have borne the wrath and the curse of Almighty God. Consider me. Look to me. Think of death and its relationship to me. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.